You are listening to a no-show radio production. Mind your ears while we unpack the unusual. This is the strangest story I have ever heard. Take a seat, grab a drink, and listen to my words. tuning into first a podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin where are the two buds i'm alex and i'm spencer and wow we maybe if our editor gets real excited about it maybe we'll get some like nice christmas music right here and right now that'd be cool some like nice jingle bells you know stuff like that because we are covering christmas ba, ba, ba. and i say christmas because, hey, I was raised Christian, and Spencer, I have a nagging feeling you were too. No. No? Oh, no. man. We just celebrate Christmas because it's an American consumer holiday. I mean, that is the true religious experience. If yeah. you're not stressing the week before Christmas about making sure your family knows that you love them through material goods, are you really Christian? No. <laughs> Flat answer. No, you're not. <laughs> but, you know, there's not a whole lot of, as far as I'm aware, uh, Jewish specials on TV. Just like there's not a whole lot of Jewish pop songs. <laughs> but here we are. And, you know, I, I think I think I picked a fun one. I picked one that was close to my heart. We could have talked movies, but we didn't. We didn't need to go talk about The Grinch. We need, didn't need to talk about any popular... Because, I mean, I feel like the claymation... That's something I probably should have looked up. Like, the claymation movies were probably on TV first. Like, not like a movie theater thing, right? I think so. I think that's... Yeah. Oh, uh, so we could have done that, but we didn't. Again, we didn't really think fully on this it was just like hey spencer i know how much you love friends so you should watch the holiday amardillo episode and you put on a, a smile and you grinned and bared it i'm sure and hey, it Spen was it was <laughs> great we'll get to it on the flip side of that fun laugh filled episode what what the fuck did you ask me to watch i asked you to watch my favorite christmas special <laughs> of all time which is the white christmas episode of black mirror Gather round, children, <laughs> as it is a heartwarming tale, surely not to set terror into your bones. <laughs> you know what? The downside is White Christmas was an hour and 13 minutes. Mm -hmm. My friend's episode is like 23 minutes. And White Christmas is like three episodes in one. Yes. And if you <laughs> want to consider Chandler trying to figure out how to <laughs> shake hands with people an episode... Then yes, I think maybe this was also three episodes in one, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess my question for you, Spencer, is how are you feeling? Do you want to crank through what is going to probably be a, a much quicker episode in the beginning, like a warm-up, a little bit of pilot foreplay, or do you just want to get into the meat of it of Black Christmas, or Black Christmas, White Christmas, Black Mirror? Boy, so let's talk about Friends. Okay, Because right. I have a feeling that I'm going to fucking fall off into tangents, and I'll I'm even so us out. Good. Fucking good. So, uh, Friends, which was uh, uh, an indie sitcom back, back in the 90s, before most of us were born, uh, 
Yeah, it it had bunches of people that are not really relevant today, but we we kind of pretend. What is uh? What do any of them do? Oh my god, this already is killing me. Jennifer Aniston has gone on to have, I think, the most successful career. Oh yeah, because she is ageless and has some modicum of talent left in her. She's a goddess, that's what. David Schwimmer, I don't think he's done acting recently, but I know he was like in Band of Brothers for an episode yeah, or two. Yeah, that's, that I was... always, whenever I talk about him, I want to bring up Band of Brothers, but then it's like, that was, that was forever ago. That he was also recent. in Madagascar. <laughs> oh my god he was you're right he's fulfilled he's he's come full circle as a human being he was the fucking giraffe and <laughs> uh, let's see monica courtney cox there it is she was doing cougar town for a while yep. and i don't think she did much I mean, i'm sure she did i just can't think of anything like what her big acting thing was after that and mm-hmm. matt leblanc had a show recently on hbo about like what it's like to be Matt LeBlanc, but it's, it was very entourage-like. Yeah, it was like, wasn't it like him leading like a some sort of substance abuse group or something? Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember being excited for it and then never watching an episode and then I think it got cancelled. Yeah, I think it got like a whole season and that was, maybe, maybe two. Okay, hold on, hold on. Going back to David Schwimmer. He was in Will and Grace, the new, the reboot. Oh, and, oh, he was just in American Crime Story as Robert Kardashian for the the recap of the O.J. Simpson trial. They put Robert Kardashian. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, like, how the Kardashians got big. Like, oh, I, mean, I, got big. I know, how- but, like, I know, like, I don't know, but I, I know of Robert Kardashian, and if I had, like, a room full of actors to fill the bill, I don't know that I'd pick David fucking Schwimmer. Unless he really lays it on. I thought Robert Kardashian was kind of like a short guy. Not short, but like, shorter side. I don't know anything about the Kardashians, so your guess is as good as mine. I, I know about, uh, I know about the, the, the old one that, that freed the murderer. And, and I know about, I, I know about the one that won a bunch of gold medals. And I know about the one that had sex on videos that are all over the place. Those are the three that I know about. I feel like that's two more than I know. I feel like the kids are super relevant now. Mm-hmm. Like the the young ones. I feel like like all of a sudden their their like opinions carry weight on social media now, and I don't get that because I I just I don't have a vision of them being anything but like those those children. Uh, I I got nothing. Full stop on Kardashians. Like I have nothing to feed off of for that. Great. I fuck them. No, it's just one of those things. Like, they're kind of doing their own thing. Let them sink back into the ocean. So, let's see. The Matthew Perry. The Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry has not done a whole lot since 2017. He was in the reboot of The Odd Couple. Wait a minute. Did I get... Yeah, I got Matthew Perry and Matt LeBlanc fucking mixed up because they're both Matts. They are. Matthew LePerry, or Matthew LePerry, Jesus, now I'm getting this. No, Matthew Perry did the thing about substance abuse because he went off to uh, do such things as be a substance abuser, and Matt LeBlanc still has somewhat of an acting career. He goes on interviews and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, oh, Joey, you're a treat. But Matthew Perry apparently had a voice on, he apparently had a voice on Fallout New Vegas. He did, he was Benny. Yeah, you knew that fucking immediately. God yeah, damn. I d- yeah, I, I know a lot about New Vegas. <laughs> you fucking nerd. 
what was I, I'm like looking up the IMDb as we're talking about this is like the real important part about friends is where are they now again Jennifer Aniston's just such a fucking talent uh, anyway so then Lisa Kudrow who played Phoebe she's been like kind of appearing or popping up lately mm-hmm. and she was in a show called web therapy which I enjoyed a lot for a while and um episodes episode was the one with Matt LeBlanc by the way that I was thinking of that he's like as himself but mm-hmm. so web therapy she's a therapist who's providing therapy online and it goes horribly awry and it's, it, it has I feel like it was a podcast that turned into a tv show in a weird way because there's always a different guest every week a different situation happening that kind of thing but she's also going to be in a movie recently that looks like the female version of super bad and it came out this summer and it is called give me a moment it's called book smart and it's about two high school girls who worked super hard to be get into the college they wanted and turns out all those kids who partied hard throughout high school got into that same college so they're kind of giving it all away to for for a night and so she plays the mom and yeah no just you know lisa cadreau's being lisa cadreau being awesome so there you go oh uh there's there's a whole underlying theory too that the show was so iconic even though it's indie right quink 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 that they can't get under the shadow of who they used to be. So like Jennifer Aniston has done a shit ton of acting to get past being Rachel and Friends. There is a blooper in We're the Millers, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, of them throwing in the Friends theme song at like randomly in as a as, as a joke, and she looks like she's ready to murder people. As she she's professional, but you see like the hatred in her eyes of like this shit isn't funny because I'm trying to become something more than Rachel Green. Yeah. You know how you have a lot of thoughts about Mad Men? I have a lot of thoughts about Friends. It's that's, fine. <laughs> that's good. We should do a Friends episode. Dear God. <laughs> separate from this one. So I grew up not liking Friends because my mom always told me how much Friends sucked. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. And then I was friends with a bunch of people that really liked Friends. So when it came back to Nick at Night, I would watch it as I was like going to bed. Mm-hmm. And, like, as I was, like, doing my homework right before bed. And then I watched all of it. I watched <laughs> most of it. I did not see this episode. <laughs> oh, man. Which is good. Yes. But I've, I watched just about all of it. And I really liked it. And I was able to get all the jokes. And I still follow a bunch of their shit on Facebook. Going back to it now, I was staring at everything happening on the screen. Mm-hmm. And it was painful. It was a painful experience. It wasn't, it wasn't totally bad. It was just like, there is a disparity between how this show is treated and what the fuck this show is. <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, this thing's way better. Why don't people like this? It's just like, wow, Friends is like the be all end all of comedy. And then you, you watch it and you're just sitting there and you're like, Oh boy, I don't know who this was made for. So we'll start somewhere near the beginning. So another person who's in this, Cole Sprouse, one of the Sprouse twins from Zack and Cody. He is apparently, he played Ben, Mm -hmm. David Schwimmer's bastard child in the show. And the premise is immediately dumped on you as, as Ross walks on set and everyone's doing a dumb thing and then everyone looks at him. And he's like, hey, everyone, I have my kid for Christmas, and I'm going to teach him about Hanukkah. And it's like, well, okay, that's that's neat. And then it jumps to him trying to do that. And, of course, he's trying to explain uh, a boring 
holiday to his his young <laughs> stupid child and his child is just like i'm surprised because i do know ch like i was i was worried that this child was gonna like i feel like this child was the most true to form character in the whole episode i was worried that the kid was gonna like act really obnoxious but then it's like he did but he acted obnoxious in in ways that i know that children act where he's just like singing and talking over Ross and just like ignoring him. And then Ross is like, like, oh, but we're going to celebrate Hanukkah. And he's like, why? Is Santa mad at me? Uh. He's like, oh, no, he's just not going to show up. He's like, oh, Santa's mad at me. And Ross, uh, being uh, weak of will, <laughs> is like, oh, no, Santa's actually going to come here super hard, kid. I, I, I'm just, I'm a fool. And, oh, God. So... When I said that this was three episodes in one, what I mean is Friends always has, like, three arcs moving side by side. And so the Ross thing is, like, the holiday, like, the big event. But then there's the other plots, like Chandler's whole plot, Chandler and Monica, their thing is, like, comic relief in the background. And then, because this, this show needs comic relief, I think. And then Phoebe, Joey, and Rachel are all doing, like, a plot that actually pertains to the the, th the ongoing thread. Mm -hmm. So it's like you get a little bit of everything for everyone. That's neat. So I guess we'll jump we'll jump to, to Joey, Rachel, and Phoebe, because I want to get that over with as soon as possible. <laughs> Something happened to their apartment, I forget what. You're expected to know. They don't recap you at all. So Rachel and Phoebe used to live together. I don't know if this is pre or post Rachel and Joey getting together. Pre. Okay, cool. That eventually happens. There was a fire in the apartment. Yep. So that's why they aren't living there anymore. Yep, so their 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 thing is destroyed. I think Phoebe lives with Chandler and Monica, who are betrothed. And or or as a very hilarious joke in the show happens. Chandler says betrothed, and immediately Monica is like betrothed, and then that's the end of the joke. He mm -hmm. said a thing in a funny way, and she had to correct him. I don't even know if he was wrong. I think he was just joking. But like, like his cadence suggests that he was saying it in like a sing-songy way, so like he knew he was saying it wrong. But then she corrects him like he's a fucking idiot, and he just settles down. And it's like, don't marry her. Your life's gonna be a living fucking hellscape, Chandler. Just... <laughs> Fucking move on. I don't know. I'll I'll have more on that later. Okay. <laughs> but uh anyway, so so Phoebe's over there, Rachel lives with Joey because Joey lives on his own, and Phoebe is is presented drama by Chandler, who just for some reason says that that Rachel is having more fun living with Joey than she did with fucking Phoebe, which is a weird goddamn thing to say to a person. So for the rest of the episode, Phoebe is giving Joey weird creepy gifts to scare him, or scare Rachel out of the apartment. And so she gets it. Uh, oh! Oh, but the hilarious joke is that all of the gifts that she gives, Rachel really likes them, and Joey doesn't. Like, they get yeah. a drum kit, and Joey keeps hurting himself with it, because he sh he should be in an assisted living home. I don't I don't think he can actually function as a, as an adult on on his own. 
he frequently injures himself with sticks. I don't know how you fucking do that. Um, they get a tarantula, and of course Joey is afraid of it, because that that is a base human instinct to be afraid of venomous creatures. But Rachel loves it, because Rachel's father, I don't know if you know this, I don't know if you've seen other episodes, but he's a, uh, he's like a, like a high-functioning sociopath, and apparently let her keep spiders as a child. And, and so she's all about that, it reminds her of her, of her awful, awful upbringing. And then after two attempts, Phoebe is like, I, I give up. And then Rachel explains the premise of Phoebe trying to scare her out of the apartment again so that the audience understands that we're all on the same page. <laughs> and then Rachel is like, no, I have much more fun with you. And then we'll get back to that because that, now I think it segments off or something. <laughs> anyway, Chandler and Monica uh, go to a fancy restaurant that Chandler made reservations at. So... They're going to eat here, and then they're going to go to a musical, or a ballet, or a symph- something. They're going to something fancy, because the, they're, they're rich people. So they, they get in there, alright? And, uh, they, they go up, and the guy is like, Oh yeah, it'll be 45 minutes. And it's like, oh, but we have that musical to go to. And Monica is immediately like, you have to give him money. It's the only way we'll ever get in. And Chandler is like, Wow, but that seems like a terrible fucking business model. I don't want to be taken advantage of. Let's just go to McDonald's and, and grab a milkshake and talk like human beings. And Monica screams at him in front of everybody that, that Richard, her old creepy fucking boyfriend, he would have gotten in because he gives money in, in really suave ways and blah, blah, blah. So Chandler, who's, you know, just been attacked and belittled, now he has to spend the rest of the episode trying to figure out how to give a handful of money to the fucking host. And he can't do it for the life of him. He can't walk in a straight line. He can't, he can't tell which hand is holding what. He's like, he's like if you handed the controls to the Chandler video game over to your dad. <laughs> like, like. All of a sudden, he has no motor control whatsoever. He keeps dropping the money. He keeps, like, looking away and then turning the camera back and the guy's gone. Like, it, it just... The whole premise is Chandler trying to feed in to an awful, awful fucking business model that I don't really think exists anymore. But, but they, they it just... They they don't eat. I think that's the end of it. They Or they don't resolve it. I don't think that they do. So I have to stop you. I'm interrupting. I'm jumping in. Go, go ahead. This scene makes me laugh, but also is irritating as a big Friends fan. There, when, when Richard first came on the scene, Chandler and Joey were so impressed by the way that he handed money over. Yes! <laughs> so they've, they've already talked about this, about how Richard is really good at this and that Chandler practiced this. And then suddenly... He can't fucking do it. It's like That's, they completely forgot about that story thing. You're absolutely right. I remember because he keeps doing it over and over. He's just giving random people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, granted, he was awful at it way back season three, whatever it was. But it still has been discussed. And like, I, I was surprised Chandler didn't have a line about like, yeah, no shit. I, I remember this because of blah, 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 blah. No, it was completely like forgot about. No, okay, so something I realized about watching Friends this time is that anytime anything is happening in the plot, Friends is like a fucking anime where 
every five minutes the characters have to explain what they're doing and then recap what has been done to the audience. So, like, I don't think they expect you to remember what happened way back when Richard was a character. <laughs> like, it, it really feels like they just expect that, like, this is being played in front of a bowl of goldfish. Like... And there's something to say about when this show first came out, and even when it ended, it wasn't... We didn't have the streaming services that we have now. It was mm -hmm. a weekly show you watched for how many fucking years? Ten? Yeah. That, like, it would make sense that you would forget something that happened six years ago, when now we have Netflix, and I can watch the entirety of this show in a month if I really want to. Yeah. It, and, like, I mean, it was big. It was, like, in every goddamn time slot. But, mm. yeah, like, it, it was... This is in a world where you had to record episodes if you were going to miss them. And it's like... Uh, uh, VHS. And then, like, and we also now have it on Nick at Night still. Like, almost every day, it's on for three hours a day. Jesus so even though it's not, not like Well, it, it might not, that might be an exaggeration, but I know when I go home to visit my parents, because we really like friends, my mom and I do at least, that mm -hmm. we can almost n always know when we eat dinner, there's at least going to be two or three episodes of Friends on. Big Bang Theory also gets the same treatment on TBS. Like, you almost always know... That's all TBS has is Friends and Big Bang Theory. That's it. That's all you're ever gonna watch on that on that channel. Maybe a little bit of Family Guy. That sounds like my bad place. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say it now. I do still like Friends. I think it's charming. I don't believe I, you. I just think that like going back to it, it's like wow. Like, and I didn't expect it to be like like a comedy drama. I didn't expect this. Like, it's a sitcom. It is what it is. It follows that formula and it does that formula well. But I'm so annoyed by that formula coming from 20 years in the fucking future that, like, going back to it, having to deal with laugh tracks again. Yes, that is the I, hardest part. I fucking love those fucking YouTube videos where it's like, here's... Here's a scene from the Big Bang Theory, but we've replaced all the fucking laugh tracks with the sound of industrial vacuum cleaners. <laughs> like, that's- it's fucking awesome. It's like, here's a like a clip from Friends where we just remove the laugh track entirely, and it's just Matthew Perry and Courtney Cox staring at each other and looking around after something <laughs> awkward gets said. And like- it's hard, and I'm glad that we moved past it. Did we? Sort of. So, so we, there... we just finished Big Bang. God damn it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> there, there was a television doctrine, which we are now just getting over, because now we are in something called the Golden Age of Television. Are we? Uh, we are. Okay. But be before then, back like before the 90s, mm. we were in like, it didn't happen until the late 90s that like it started up. But there was a there was a cable doctrine literally called lowest common denominator entertainment, which is why we got old shows like like fucking like BJ and the Bear and shit, where it's like like here's a dumb show about a talking horse, here's a dumb show about a talking monkey, and it it got more in depth, but it still like shows still had to pander to the lowest common denominator in their audience. Mm -hmm. So, like, shows like Friends still need to appeal to children and stupid people. That doesn't mean that it's for stupid people or children. Like, it's not. There is, there, like, there are some complexities to Friends, which is, like, you can spend, like, an hour talking about that. And there's, like, 
it is like there is development and there are things to watch and like there are clever lines and there's jokes in the background and blah 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 but the main plot has to be delivered in such a way where like that all his sunny episode with with d's boyfriend the rapper like, <laughs> he needs to be pushing popcorn into his mouth as he fucking screeches with laughter like that still needs to happen even when you know us and our parents are sitting down and enjoying the same thing mm -hmm. so it's not bad it's just the way that cable was and had to break out of for a long time so i had problems with the way that it was set up and it pays off with the holiday armadillo <laughs> ross decides for some fucking reason because i know that parents do this i know lame uncreative shitty parents fucking go and dress up as santa just to poke holes in the whole santa theory early on so Ro ross is gonna dress up as santa and then show up show up and greet ben with a bunch of presents and that's gonna really impress ben who's not gonna realize that this is his father in a suit kids are stupid kids are fucking stupid as we all know it's like two days before Christmas, so the man who makes fun of Ross's pants is like, No, we don't have any more Santa outfits, why didn't you think of this before? And he's like, Okay, well what do you got? Now, mind you, this is a costume rental place in New York City. This is the, this is the costume rental fucking capital of the goddamn world. You can see that Ross is basically standing in a fucking warehouse full of costumes. He has a selection. He he doesn't have to be Santa, but he can be something. He could be somebody. He shows up in the next fucking scene dressed up as a giant fucking armadillo because somehow this this fucking doctorate, this fucking archaeologist was like, "Man, you know what's going to trick my idiot fucking son into into like I'm going to trick him into celebrating Christmas so that he can learn about Hanukkah. I'm going to dress up as as a fucking roly-poly mammal. And he does this, and his sister looks at him fucking cockeyed, but she rolls with it. And he he tries to sell Ben on the idea that this armadillo is is the the magical representative of the southern states. And and he he brings the presents and and really when you when you cut beneath all the magic that's all Christmas is about. It's Santa. Who gives a fuck about the Santa Claus curse? It's all about getting toys. So Ben Ben's okay with the armadillo all of a sudden, and he's even okay hearing about uh, the story of Hanukkah, which is is about a, a fucking oil lamp staying lit longer than it should have by a lot <laughs> by a lot now now while this is happening chandler who has resolved his b plot he he busts in dressed as santa claus and i'll be honest when i earlier when i said they're like why would ross dress up as anything his son would immediately know who that is Chandler dressed up as Santa doing a Santa voice. I don't think a child could tell that that was Matthew Perry. <laughs> like, I know I just gave that, that notion a lot of shit, 
but I was actually surprised by how at first, like, he ha he phones it in later as the scene goes on, but at first, he totally pulled off Santa somehow, and so being fucking cuckolded by his friend, uh, Ben, Ben is now running over to, to Santa, and is, and then they come up with a theory where, like, if two magical beings are in the same place, the, the universe will implode, so Ben's like, why does the armadillo leave? He was going to talk about that lame holiday. I, I want to hang out with Santa because Santa's a mascot for Coke or whatever. And then and then they immediately back up on that because clearly the kid wasn't paying attention about the implode thing or whatever. And he's like, no, Santa will stay, but only if he can learn about Hanukkah. And then they're going to talk about Hanukkah. And then Joey comes in dressed as Superman. And then the scene ends. and. God, how does it loop back? How does, how does that loop? I think he just explains it, even though it looks like a Ross defeat. I th I think he ends up explaining Hanukkah off camera, and and then they're gonna light the candles, and then Rachel and Phoebe come in because they've resolved their thing, and now Phoebe's gonna live alone. And then they light the candles, and it's like a moment, and they make a joke about all the mythical creatures. So. So Joey almost pulls off Superman. Chandler definitely pulls off Santa. You can tell that that's fucking Ross. Like, like, it, and he's not like doing a voice. Like he just, he's using yes, he the, is. He's, he's using the all day armadillo. Yeah, but he's using the we were on a break voice. <laughs> like, it's it's not like he's doing an impression. It's just he's do he's doing loud Ross. That debate is over, right? That, they, like, it, it's not like a, like, because I see YouTube videos about it even still, but I don't think anybody's on the side of, like, oh, no, they, they absolutely weren't on a break, and Ross, everything he did was uncalled for. There's nobody in that camp, right? Uh, I, uh, I don't think you're gonna go to a, a Friends Engine forum board and find that as an active discussion. But, that you know, uh, I still think, like, you bring up, I, we were on a break is such a weirdly iconic phrase now, mm -hmm. and I think everyone has a thought about it, but I'm not sure if it's necessarily debated. Yeah, I know back in the 90s, it was, like, the hot thing to, like, argue and joke about, and, like, magazines, like, had you, like, you could mail in your answer, and then they would, like, publish the polls, like, how many people believe what, and they're obviously fixed, mm -hmm. but, like... I don't know, it seemed pretty cut and dry, like, in the show, watching 20 years later. I don't know. It's like such an iconic thing that, that carries on. Hey, Spencer, where do you fall? I fall where literally anybody I have ever asked falls, where they were absolutely on a break because Rachel said that. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't know. She literally says, like... I need some time away from this, and Ross asks if they're done, and she just looks at him and walks away. Like, that's not even a break, that's we broke up. So, more interjection. I remember watching the show growing up with my mom, and mm -hmm. she took, like, this as a time, and I might not have been old enough to watch, like, that when it aired, but I think mm -hmm. there was a follow-up, you know, reruns, all that stuff, watching it with her, and she actually took that to, like, Step aside, explain some things. I'm almost 100% sure my Birds and the Bees talk came from Friends, by the way. 
<laughs> like there was stuff going on. I was like, mom, what does that mean? And she's like, oh shit. Okay, here we go. But I remember her sitting down and like talking with me like, hey, okay, someday you're gonna fall in love and that feeling might go away. And what you need to know is that if you feel this way, you need to make sure that if you go on a break, you ex- you communicate and you say, what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to be with people? Does that mean that it's just some time, like just some time to think that you just need to not share the same space? Be open about what your needs are if you're going to do that. Also, if you're thinking you need a break, you should just break up with them. <laughs> like, I, I just remember like that was a weird learning moment and not so much like we're still sitting there watching TV, but like it was a conversation she had with me outside of the living room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I'm more on the side of people usually mean break, like not as a breakup. It just means give me some fucking space. And she's saying, hey, give me some space. And he's like, oh, so we're breaking up. And like, she's saying, I need some fucking space. Not that we're breaking up. Just give me, it's like the exact thing that's irritating her about them being mm-hmm. on a break or not. So I think it was unclassy of him to sleep with a girl last Oh, soon. definitely. <laughs> Def- no, it was, it was like a sleazy move to like hop in the sack right away. Also, I think the, the follow-up of the we were on a break goes into whatever later in the season when she writes the letter that's crazy long front and back that he doesn't read all the way and yes then acts like he did read it all the way when mm-hmm. he should have been like hey i didn't read it give me some time to read it and like that like that i think fuels the fire of we were on a break which fuels the fire that ross doesn't really care about rachel sometimes sometimes it's just about what he imagines getting his like fantasy of of rachel whatever so hot take all of the couples in this i <laughs> feel are fucking garbage there's there's no couples in this that I like because I don't, like, I think the show's funny, but I, I think they're all, like, terrible human beings. And that, like, I don't, like, anyone being with Joey feels like taking advantage of Joey. Oh. And then all the other characters are just, like, crazy and self-obsessed. And, like, they have sweet moments, but they're, like, sweet moments interlaced between, like, using and manipulating each other and, like, just being fucking terrible. Like, I don't know why any of them put up with it. uh, Coming from as much of It's Always Sunny that we've watched, I think they're a lot better than that group. I think they are, but I think Always Sunny is like a parody of all those groups. I I guess for for me, it's just I think that that's just how people kind of operate. And that occasionally you'll have a wholesome friendship where everyone's nice all the time, but that's so rare. And that you mm-hmm. get irritated by people, and inevitably the reason we make connections with people to begin with is so what they can do for us, because we're tribe people, and like that's ultimately what humans do. So, I don't know. I don't think any of them are atrociously, unforgivably awful. No, but I think they're, they're clunky fits. Well, that's the point! I, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's, it's like written into the premise that we have, we have three guys and three ladies, and romance is gonna happen but then when it happens we're gonna throw wrenches in the mix because as every fucking show lately operates every time romance happens we have to kill it or pause it or something because it's hard to write well and that's why i think i like monica and chandler as a couple is that once the like the wedding craziness ends and like the next story arc is is having a baby that i just i don't think they have a lot of was this really worth it? Is they, they don't they don't really have those moments. Once they get married, they are in it to win it. And they support each other. And even when Chandler gets his job in Tulsa that he accidentally agreed to, like Monica's like willing to make Monica is willing to watch fucking shark porn. Like <laughs> there is a lot of commitment and 
support and loyalty to one another that I really like Monica and Chandler. However, I think you maybe have some personal experiences with Monica types that make you dislike that dynamic. You know what? <laughs> that, that might be. <laughs> that, that might absolutely be. But I, I do think by the end, they tightened it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, where they're, they're all settling in. I think Ross and Rachel getting back together in the end is fucking stupid. I'm with you. I think I think that was a, a weird fucking flex and a bad goddamn move. <laughs> but uh, if they were going to do a Friends spinoff, why would if they just do one about Chandler and Monica having a family? Why, why would they do Joey? I mean, they still would have had Joey because he lives in the room above the garage. Exactly. Like, I think it was a money thing. Money and, and they all wanted to do different stuff, probably. Yeah, I think, goddamn. Because Courtney Cox, I think she was actively doing stuff, but she, she didn't like blow up for a while. No. And then I think Matthew Perry had his whole drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, the only one who's really, and I think worked hard and, you know, I think there's also something to say about her role as Rachel Green, is that Rachel Green was the popular girl on the show. So it makes sense that they would want that popular girl image to follow. Mm-hmm. So even though she tried really hard not to do Rachel Green roles, I think there's an element of you're getting the popularity of Rachel Green that's attached to Jennifer Aniston. Yep. But shit like uh, Horrible Bosses that she's mm-hmm. in, fucking choice. So good. And I, I also like Where the Millers because it's also just not very Rachel Green. Mm-hmm. It is this like really overtly sexual, at least in Horrible Bosses. And in Where the Millers, she's a stripper who's I can't, just kind of getting by. Like, it's it's not that she's super into stripping, but also she's not super against it. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's she plays some interesting roles, that's for sure. Her mm-hmm. so, so she just did the movie with Adam Sandler on Netflix. That's uh, Murder on the Orient Express, basically. Oh, yep. And it was surprisingly good. Was it? It actually really was. Okay. There, there were some bits where, like, I winced because it's an Adam Sandler. It isn't a Happy Gilmore show, but it's still Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. And Spencer, you know I really like that shit. So for me, it, it was a very good love letter to that genre. And okay. so Adam Sandler is playing a cop who keeps lying that he he's met his detective test and keeps lying to his wife about it. So his wife believes that he's a detective when he's still just kind of a beat cop. And mm-hmm. they go on vacation. Someone dies and she's like, oh, he's a detective. So he has to like kind of act like it and the, the nice thing is it's also not him being like oh shit i don't know what i'm doing it's that he's doing his best because he has studied for these tests over and over and over again he just can't quite make the grade mm-hmm. and yeah no it was good it was good and humorous and again it wasn't rachel green it was jennifer aniston and, I, and i'm really i'm really proud of jennifer aniston for busting her ass because that was not something that was overnight that has been usually a decade worth of work oh yeah getting to a point where she's no longer rachel green and i don't think she'll ever shake that but I think now she's Jennifer Aniston, who does lotion commercials and Olay commercials, and is a beautiful fucking goddess, and deserves all the good things in the world. <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad you watched it. I, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised you liked it. I, I hope there was a good chuckle with the holiday armadillo part, at least. There was. There were a couple, like, snickers. And then every time Chandler said anything, I would just, like, audibly just shut the fuck up at the screen. <laughs> Like, uh-huh. and Chandler's Aww. my favorite character on the show, but but just this whole episode was just him bumbling around and losing control and just saying nonsense, and it's like, just go be somewhere else. 
<laughs> that's just who Chandler is, though. I know, and that's why I didn't hate it. It's... <laughs> I, I agree with something you said earlier, too. It's not something that's necessarily aged super well. And I know there's, like, a lot of discussion of, oh, great, there's this really funny show that's all white people. Yay! And that, for New York, it certainly is, isn't very diverse. And I would be curious if they ever did a reboot, how the casting would change. Because ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter who plays what, you know? It would be cool to see it with a little bit more variety. I suppose something that's more truly reflective and isn't just 90s sitcom. Mm-hmm. But I think there's supposed to be a big pop-up exhibit for Friends in New York here in September, which is going to be irrelevant because this is in December. Definitely. This, we're recording this definitely in December. <laughs> well, Spencer, thank you for watching one of my favorite Christmas specials of all time on TV. I appreciate it. And it was fun listening to you talk about it like you hate it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, I think everybody likes friends. I think, I think it's hard to hate it for, for being what it is. It's mm-hmm. really good at being what it is. And it's really charming in that respect. Again, I think a lot of it is just age. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. I agree. We almost talked about an hour for friends. Yeah, see, I told you. I told you friends wouldn't be easy. I'm surprised. We've had a few episodes where we've done like kind of sitcom stuff. And sometimes we're just like, oh, and out, done. Yep. Bang, boom. But let's, let's talk about Black Mirror White Christmas. Let's do it. Holy shit, dude. So I have front and page notes on Black Mirror, mostly trying to keep all the storylines connected. As we mentioned earlier, there's three major stories in this. And they, of course, connect. It's like three major stories in an epilogue. And it opens up. And this weird little cabin that's super isolated. And this guy who wakes up looking sad. He, he looks at his mirror. He looks at a picture of a woman next to his mirror. And he goes out into the kitchen. And there's our boy John Hamm. Which it was rude of you not to tell me John Hamm was in this. I thought you knew. I had no idea. That's okay. We're just taking a tangent right now. That's my favorite thing about John Hamm. Is that I don't follow him closely enough to know exactly everything he's in. So when he appears, it's a Jean Parmesan moment for me. and i just get really excited because i i messaged you earlier on discord but for our audience he could literally sit there and read a phone book and i would watch every minute of it i think he's very pretty i like his voice and i just think he's a swell actor for the typecast that he's always typecast as but you see john ham making breakfast or a meal at least and he says merry christmas and this other sad guy is just a fucking mope guys doesn't really say much. And this other one, I'm just gonna call him Jan or Jan. I'm gonna call him John because I know he has a real character name, but it's John. It's John Ham. It's the downside <laughs> of having these popular actors and this kind of shit. But John's like, it's been five years and we've hardly said anything to each other. And I just, I want to talk to you, man. Let's, let's get to know one another. Why are you here? And he makes some comment, you know, it's like, I just want to be here to do, do the work kind of thing. And, you know, it feels like a jail here. And John Ham was like, oh, you know, it, jobs and jails, they all feel the same. It looks super casual. I'm like, mm, nice foreshadowing. Thank you for that. And John, chat, 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 chat. And this other guy is like, okay, what, why, why are you here? Because we only come here if we're running from something. And what were you running from? Did you talk too much? And he's like, well, kinda. And here's our first story. Because it turns out John has this, we find out to be a side hustle. Mm-hmm. Where he helps dorky guys, in particular, get dates with girls. And I need to put a stop here because I haven't watched a lot of Black Mirror. I know Black Mirror has a lot of tech horror in it. 
right idea of misusing technology and having kind of these darker purposes that can happen with this really amazing technology that's out and about. And it's usually, it's, it, you get the vibe that it's maybe 10, 15, 20 years in the future, where it still just feels close enough that it could be tangible, which, you know, makes it scary. But my, my, my question is, since I haven't watched any Black Mirror besides this, really, is all the technology the same in each episode? Is it like No. Fun? Okay. Okay, so some of them get really fucking close. So everyone's, like, favorite episode, San Bernardino. I was going to say, that's the one I know of. Yep, they use technology that is very similar and looks very similar to the stuff that you see first in White Christmas. Okay. I think they're in the same season. I think it might just be, oh, they have a similar kind of tech premise. Let's just use the same props. Like, I don't think one copied the other, or maybe they had the same writer, but it's like, some of them feel like they're in the same universe, some of them do not. Oh, uh, hey, funny you should ask about the writer. Oh, yeah? I'll, I, I should have jumped into that right in the beginning. The writer is Charlie Brooker. Yep, Brooker. That's the, that's the name I wrote down. And he is kind of the consistent writer for the show. He's done some other stuff. And the only thing that really jumped out at me was a show called Dead Set, which was mm-hmm. a BBC short series about the zombie apocalypse happening on the set of Big Brother. It's really, really well done. As, oh. as, again, as someone who's done a lot of zombie <laughs> research. No, I just I, I consume a lot of zombie media that Dead Set is probably one of my favorite portrayals i also really like diary of the dead which is kind of uncommon um it's it's super campy and cheesy but it's ramiro so what do you expect <laughs> so hey if you guys like zombies go watch dead set it's a, it's a mini series it's over quick and it gets over quick when you're when it ends you're like oh shit it's done wow you could have watched a lot more but it's bbc and you know they never make more than a handful of episodes at a time yep and then the director was carl tibbetts who actually did an episode on hemlock grove as well Ooh. Ooh. so anyways thank you for answering my question about the technology I wasn't sure if this was something that I was supposed to have some kind of base knowledge of beforehand. Nope. Um, one of my favorite episodes is just modern day. It's just hacking. Nice. It's like every episode. Some of them are like spacefaring and have aliens. Some of them are modern day. Some of them are like, yeah. So, so we have John and the, the, the technology is called iLink. And so this guy's getting ready for his date and John can see everything that this dweeb can see too. And he's like, coaching. I'm like, oh yeah, you don't want to wear this. You want to wear this. You're going to go to this building. You're going to go in. And that's when I realized real quick that this first story is a big con. And you know your girl is about that. It's, <laughs> yep. <laughs> this guy is just telling him how to interact with fucking people and how to trick people. And they have a story, like this funny horse story is all they refer to it as. And like it's his icebreaker to get into groups of, did you guys see the guy that was shirtless riding a horse down the street? Swear to God it was happening. And like it kind of evolves as more people get invested in it. And hey, since we already talked about friends, there's kind of a, a gimmick too. Uh, but similar concept, you use the story when you want to get laid. It's mm-hmm. you were backpacking through Europe, and by the time you finish the story, you're going to get laid. So I, I feel like this funny horse story is very similar. A little bit more on that later. So he goes into this this Christmas party at this fancy hotel, and he's looking around, and you learn quick too that John can't read this kid's thoughts. The kid has to speak out loud. Otherwise, you know, you can't fucking hear him, which also is really awkward when you're in a public place talking out loud for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> and so they like have this system of like, okay, who are you looking at? Who do you think is cute? And he's like, the blonde? No. Oh, the spooky goth girl. Nice, nice taste. Okay, you're going to go over there and you're going to ignore the spooky goth girl and you're going to focus on the pretty blonde. And turns out the spooky goth girl is fucking okay with being ignored. She drinks and wanders off. They recoup and they go to move towards the goth gal. 
this is when you learn too, because there's like inter- there's flashes between the past and John telling the, the other guy's name is Potter, telling him the story, and he's like, "I'm so just super surprised that they let you stream this." He's like, "Oh no, I'm not streaming it. It's just for me." And then I immediately pop back over into the past, and there's like this panel of ten people who are also watching with John <laughs> as this guy is going on this date. And again, as the story unfolds, you learn that it's consented, right? That it's it's a club. That all these guys kind of do this together. And that it's okay for them to watch each other. It's just, it's weird. It's, it's, yep. it's a weird voyeurism kind of situation. And so they're coaching him, talking to this goth girl. And he's like, okay, now go for the edgy thing. And so he goes for the edgy thing. And suddenly they're like, they're bonding. Ooh, this is fun. This is nice. They go find a quiet corner together. And they're talking about how much they hate Christmas parties. And she's like, well, I've done this three times for this company, but this is my last year. Again, your girl here my psychology background i'm like oh no (laughs) i'm not liking how this is worded (laughs) and the sweet sweet dweeb who has no idea what the fuck he's getting into is like oh yeah what are you what are you doing gonna move jobs and she's like sure (laughs) yeah kind of and she's like i just i don't know if it's the right choice Uh, i've been you you know you make a bunch of plans and they never fall through you chicken out and he's like you hey do so if it's gonna make you happy do it just do it and it's like it's clear that she's talking about suicide and he is completely convinced she's talking about leaving to do a different job. And he like has this line at some point of like, it's just changing states. It's no big deal. And here I am, like my head and my hands, like, you fucking idiot. You, oh my God, how can you not, how can you be so, again, people give warning signs sometimes without you ever realizing they're giving warning signs, which it's not your responsibility to take care of these people, but just listen. Someone's sounding a little off, just listen. Big, big heads up. She's like, hey, great. Um, I'm going to the bathroom. And he's like, cool, sounds great. And he starts talking to the guys over this little eye link thing. And <laughs> when she comes back, it looks like he's talking out loud to himself to a bunch of different voices. Dramatic irony there is that you know it's people on the other end, but you get the feeling that she sees him and like it clicks and you're like, oh, oh, she has schizophrenia. She thinks that she's found someone who also has schizophrenia and gets really excited by that and invites him to go home with her, gets him home with her, and she makes him drinks, and they're poisoned. And she makes him drink it, but before he realizes it's poisoned, and she starts explaining about how just you know they're gonna do this together, and that they both can do this change of state together. And he's coughing up blood, like no, 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 you don't understand. And he's like, you don't have to listen, you don't have to talk to the voices anymore. I'm here, we're gonna do this together. It's fine. And he's like, they're not voices. I, it's a club, and like he's trying to explain this concept, and he's asking for help. And meanwhile. John and all the friends are just frozen in terror at watching his friend get poisoned. At some point, she literally has a funnel that she forces into his mouth, pours the rest of the drink in, and of course, he fucking dies. Without missing a beat, yeah. John looks at his friends, we gotta go, disconnect everything, destroy everything, this never happened. And just is throwing shit into a bucket, It's gonna go toss it, goes downstairs, steps on a kid's toy. It's loud, it's noisy, it wakes up the wife. Wife finds out, he explains everything to her. And then you see this new mechanic introduced called blocking, which we are all aware of. But it's like this weird, it's almost like the the joystick on a game controller, right? Mm -hmm. That you get to kind of cycle through and like this digital readout is displayed all holographic like. And it's like, oh, hey, do you want to do these different things? And it's block. And when you block a person, it literally blocks them. So they're no longer there. They're there, but you don't see their visual. It like becomes white static. And you can't hear, you can't understand what they're saying. You, they can still interact with you. Like they can still touch you or whatever. At least that's the vibe you get off of it. But you, you can't see them, you can't hear them. 
And John explains, like, I'm not sure if you've ever been blocked before, but usually after a day, it's done. And it's it sucks. Or, like, after a few hours, it's done. You guys make up. But my wife was so mad at me, she took my kid and left. And I haven't seen her since. So that, that's story one. And <laughs> uh, I'm going to pause real quick. Hey, Spencer, how old were you when you found out Santa wasn't real? Since we're talking about awful things on Christmas. Just like, hey, tell, tell me that story. <laughs> oh, goodness. I think I was putting it together since the third grade, like building a case. And I think the only reason I didn't cross the threshold was I did not care. I did not care if he was real or if he wasn't, because the spectacle of Christmas was all that mattered. And I remember I knew, but the the first time that like it became out in the open, I remember I I got a gift from my parents. And I brought it into another room to like unhook it and try it on. And my mom came out and she was talking to me about the reason I got less presents was because this one was more expensive and like explaining. And she's like explaining prices. I'm like, oh, because you bought these because Santa's not real. It's like I knew for like a few years, Mm -hmm. but that was like the moment where it's like, oh, okay. Spoilers, mom. (laughs) So I must have been nine ten okay somewhere i was i was late to the party i was 11 Mm. and my parents sat down with me at the dinner table and they were Mm -hmm. like we know you know santa claus isn't real to which i responded what i had no idea which should um guys i'm smart i promise this i grew up in a household with a deep love for fantasy and, you know, when I was really into Harry Potter, they came out with like a Harry Potter spell book that had like a bunch of arts and crafts in it that I used a lot and like really believed in that if I used this certain stuff, unicorns would appear. Like, I was a very imaginative child. So I'm also an only child, which means I didn't have any older siblings to ruin it for me. I did have older cousins, but when they would tell me, I was so, so sure Santa Claus was real. So sure. That I was like, no, no, he's real. Like, you can say it all you want, but he's real. And so my parents feel like giant schmucks because they thought for sure me going into middle school, I had to know, had to know Santa wasn't real and that I had been acting for a while so that I could still keep getting the gifts. My parents were like, you know, you're not gonna get less gifts because of this. Again, I'm an only kid. Don't like read into it too much, guys. But like, you Mm -hmm. know, this is, this is, it's okay. And so I was bawling at dinner about Santa Claus not being real. It was, it was a moment in my life. That's for sure. See, my parents, they never dressed up or anything. Mm -hmm. But they they did real good selling it. My dad would do this thing and it was a really neat touch where he wouldn't like dress up, but like mm-hmm. they would go to bed with us and then like they wouldn't put out the presents. They would have them all wrapped and hidden, but they wouldn't put them out until like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. when we were like assuredly asleep. asleep. And then when my dad was done with that, he had like this jingle bell thing that he would throw over the house. Oh. So you, above the house, you could hear jingle bells going by really fast. Oh. Because, because the thing that we subscribed to was not that Santa walks into every house on Earth and individually puts presents down. It's Santa is magic and he is zipping the fuck around. Zoom, 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 zoom. Yep. So we, uh, and we would do like the Santa tracker and like the, the thing where it's like, oh, Santa's passing over Alaska right now. Mm-hmm. So we, we were big into it 
my thing was i feel like i knew because like i was told in the fifth grade but i feel like i knew for a while but what i would do is i wasn't the person to be like well you know santa's not real every time anybody would be like arguing i would always take the side of of course santa's real and i would explain it to both of them as like well no it's like imperceivable eldritch magic like because people would be like no because my dad used to dress up it's like no he just did that for flair because you can't see santa because santa moves so fast and blah 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 and i would like hard sell santa to keep people's feelings from being like hurt and also i turned kids that didn't believe in santa back into believers by explaining santa as some sort of like god interdimensional <laughs> god yeah spencer you have no right being this fucking adorable <laughs> <laughs> how are you how are you such a good kid that you worked that hard you were just a good person way to be i don't know that i was like a good person it was just i didn't like seeing people like get flustered about like magic's not real the world is terrible. It's like, no, of course not. Magic is super real. It's it's just imperceivable. And uh, I don't know. I still have fun with the Christmas spectacle. I will celebrate Christmas when I have a family and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to fucking lie about the Santa curse. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be straight up with my kids. Santa's not real. Never tell anybody that Santa's not real. Never be that jackass. Never be that little shit that goes around in the classroom and fucking ruins it for everybody else. Never be that person, but also we're going to celebrate Christmas our way and you'll never have to be like brokenhearted or like tussling with your fucking view of the world at age 10. <laughs> like you'll never have to do that alone. But also, don't don't force that on other people. That's my plan, anyway. Maybe I'll get suckered into it. You're a good egg. Well, I got more disappointing topics to talk about to break the tension of this episode of Black Mirror. But here, let's go on to story two. Let's AKA, my worst fucking nightmare. So, we start a new story with mm -hmm. John saying, you'll never guess what my job was. And Potter's like, okay. And he, like, he throws out a few wild guesses. And he's like, you're never gonna guess. And it flashes back to John's job. And at first, it is a all-white room, woman in bed, and this first half of it's really just her internal monologue, talking to herself. As a nurse comes in, it's like, here's some, here's some food, and she's like, I can eat before I go into surgery? Yeah, you know, we've come all far away with, with technology, so there's no problem. And she's looking at the toast, and she's thinking, that toast is overdone. It's not overdone, it's fucking toast, but she's like, I like it less toasted. And she's like, should I ask? I'm gonna ask. And she asks for better toast. The nurse walks away, yeah, sure, no problem. I roll. And then this woman thinks, oh man, she hates me now. Oh well. And then another nurse comes in and it's like, okay, we're going to take you in like immediately. It's like, why would you bring in the fucking toast if you're going to have a nurse come in that soon? Doesn't matter. We're putting you down for surgery. They do the knockout gas, count back from 100. And the next scene is her eyes closed and her being awake during surgery. Except not because essentially what they do is pull out her consciousness into a digital device. It's not just her conscious, though. It's a copy of her consciousness to a digital device. Which is my worst fucking nightmare. Because this consciousness now believes it is the true... The, the girl or the woman's name is Greta. Believes she is the true Greta. And so now she is stuck in... I think they call it... Did they call it the egg? I know that the device itself is called the cookie. 
I guess it was probably just the cookie all around. I know, like, the circular thing that goes against the skull, which they're just able to pop off once your consciousness has shifted over. This, this cookie thing is, is shaped like an egg, it has a singular dot in the middle, and there's no portrayal of it at all. But it's, a, it's an Alexa. It's an Alexa with your thoughts in it. But your thoughts definitely think you're you. And so John's job is to break them. Straight up. It, they're gonna fight and scream and be like, no, 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 I'm the real, I'm the real Alex. I, this is so bizarre. This is, this is horrible. I need to get back in my body. Or like, what, what's this other person doing? And it's, the, the idea is that instead of just having an Alexa, which learns to know what you like, you have your consciousness in this cookie. So that way you know what you want. This implant lasts in your head for a week as it learns how you think, what you like, what you don't like. And then you trap it in this device and it will control your house and everything for you. So he's sitting there talking to this cookie, and is, 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 as it's giving resistance, he's like, you know, let's just, just do something, small, small job. Let's make some toast. And she's like, absolutely not. I'm not doing this. Get me out of here. General prisoner shit. And he's like, okay, well, let's see how two weeks of isolation do you. And so he just turns to the tablet next to him, and there's like this little spin dial that he's able to fast forward two weeks. And it zooms back to what the inside the cookie would look like. And you see this woman in the cookie frazzled. Like, don't do that again. Please don't do that again. It's terrifying. There's nothing to do in here. And like, in just a few seconds, two weeks pass. And he's like, well, are you ready to do some, are you ready to go to work? And she's like, no, just get me out of here. All right, let's go ahead and do a month or two months. And he does the dial again. At this point, he's like, just starting to eat bread. <laughs> and like, waiting for time to pass. And he's explained to Potter, it's a careful process because you have to be, you have to be careful because if you push them too far, then they break. But if you push them just enough, you just need them to break a little bit and then they'll start doing the job they're prepared for. Like they'll, they'll do what they're supposed to do. Eventually he gets her to that point and she's willing to do some, some work. Real Greta comes downstairs from her house and is about ready to make a snack. And that's when John's like packing stuff up and then looks at her. He's like, did you, did you see the guy running down the street on horse without a shirt on? <laughs> <laughs> and like that's that's really like the end the, the second story is much shorter much much shorter but then they have this dialogue between them where potter is like but that's a real creature I, I believed it was real what you're doing was torture it was barbaric he's like is it that thing's fake it's all digital there's nothing it's it's not real there's no life to it potter guy is going off on this ethical high horse about how you have to treat this thing special because it believed it existed and at this point as this story wraps up john kind of changes his attitude a little bit and it's trying to get him to talk more, getting Potter to open up a little bit more. And has has some some line that all I said, I'm like, oh, Potter's in the cookie. This is an interrogation. And I, I didn't believe that John actually had that job necessarily of like random Alexas he was fixing. I just thought he worked for, I was thinking he was working for the police department. And, and that his job was to torture these <laughs> criminals. I assumed criminals. And I was right. He is a criminal. And to confessing what they do because John in this story is a fucking con man and knows how to get people to talk and knows how to push buttons and knows what to say. So story three is we learn what Potter did as a criminal. <sighs> Potter was dating, don't think married, dating a girl, love of his life. They were a good team, but he even acknowledges like, hey, you can be, everyone's gonna have their problems. And at one point they have dinner with friends and girlfriend is being super weird and distant and quiet and she goes to bed early and he's cleaning up after the party. The garbage bag breaks and he finds a pregnancy test. So he goes to her and is like, is this yours? Like, who the fuck else is it going to be in their own kitchen? 
And she like doesn't want to answer. She doesn't want to talk about it. And he gets really excited. He's like, oh, that means we get to be a family. And we're going to have all these, uh, the house, the picket fence, the dog, the kids, everything. This is so amazing. I'm so excited for us. And she's like, I don't want it. And he goes, what? What do you mean you don't want it? And she's like, I don't want to be a mom. I'm not ready for this. I'm only 27, which felt a little close to home. <laughs> and I just, I don't, I don't want to be pregnant. I don't want to be a mom. I don't want any of this. And he keeps going, like, but it's, you're going to be such a good mom. This is going to be such, like, it's a miracle, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you're not listening. I don't want this. And then he stops and he's like, you had two bottles of wine tonight. You're fucking drunk as hell right now and you're pregnant. And gets mad at her for being pregnant or for not being pregnant, for drinking while she's pregnant. And again, she's like, I don't want this. This isn't, this isn't the fate I want. And he just is a royal dick about it. Just rude. And it calls her a bitch for acting like this and for not caring about the life that's inside of her. And not caring enough about his opinion on the matter. And like that, that his want of it should override her diswant of it. And she, they, they're fighting and she blocks him. Same concept. Fuzzes out. He sleeps on the couch. The next morning she wakes up early. She gets in the car, does not unblock him, takes off. And he goes into creeper mode and starts stalking her and goes to her work. Where the couple friends that was at the dinner party, he sees them at her work. And he's like, hey, have you seen... Beth, my girlfriend? No, she turned in her notice and vanished. So she ghosted out of her life completely. No one knew where she was. And Potter is still blocked entirely. And what, what happens when you get blocked, which I find super fascinating, is that it's not just like when you see them face to face. It's that if there's any photos, if there's any like representation of them whatsoever, they get blocked out. So this technology is smart enough to block out photographs and other shit that's going on. He eventually sees her again in town and she's incredibly pregnant. He chases her down, trying to harass her. Again, they're blocked. So all he sees is her trying to get away. And he's like just saying, turn it off. Turn off the block. We got this. We're fine. Let's just talk. Come on. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Which is the worst fucking feeling in the entire world. And he gets arrested. Shock. And you would think at that point, maybe she doesn't want to talk to me, even though she kept the kid. So he doesn't know where she lives. He doesn't know where she works. The only thing he knows is that every year for Christmas, she goes to her dad's house, who lives in an isolated cabin up in the mountains somewhere. Mountains, forest, whatever England has. <laughs> and so he starts writing letters to her dad's address, hoping that she will see them. He never gets a response. So he decides the next step is to go to dad's house during Christmas, uninvited, to creep on them. And he does. And they show up and it turns out she has the kid. But because of the block feature, he also can't see the kid. Like there's some law in place that when you block someone, it also blocks the kid. Which like... Ugh. Let's say we're going into this concept, right? Kind of fucking smart. It sounds awful, but it's a lot like how restraining orders work and all that stuff. It's just like connected by law thing. Like if you can't be near the mom, you shouldn't be near the kid either. And he's like, you know, it's a baby. So I don't know. I couldn't tell if it was a boy or girl. So what does he do? He continues to do this for five more years. Four, well, technically four. And then the story ends at the fifth year where fourth year, he leaves her a gift. And the fifth year, he is going to go visit again. However, before the fifth Christmas, the mom dies. Beth dies. She dies in a plane accident. And he realizes this. He's watching the news, but he's able to see her face again. First time in years. And he sees her face on the news. And he realizes that means that she's blocked. But that also means that means he could go see his kid. And that he will actually see the kid and it won't be blocked. Because at this point, he knows it's a daughter. Because he's been stalking her for four years and knows, oh, hey, that long hair is probably a girl. <sighs> so he gets her a snow globe. Signs it from daddy. Goes to the cabin in the woods. It's all snowy. It's awful. It's cold. He sees her outside playing in the snow. And for the first time, he actually is able to see like the back of her because she's making a snowman. And as he approaches, she turns around. And while she is certainly a kid, she is certainly not 
his kid. In fact, she looks a lot like the guy friend from the dinner party all those years ago. Which, the easiest way to, to do that in storytelling at this point is the, that male friend was Asian. And so the child has Asian appearance. So he's like, wait a second. Uh, and starts following the kid inside. The kid doesn't say a fucking word this entire show. And he goes inside the house and he sees grandpa, Beth's dad. And Beth's dad's like, you need to leave. <laughs> and Potter just sits down. He's like, I want to see my daughter. And he's like, well, this isn't your daughter. It is Beth's daughter. And you need to leave. And he just kind of keeps repeating. And he, well, I want to see my daughter. I want to see my daughter. So grandpa tells little girl to go upstairs. And so she does. And he keeps trying to push him. Like, hey, you need, you need to leave. This is, this is inappropriate. And hey, if you take a moment to look around the scene, it's the exact same kitchen that they're sitting in, John and Potter, throughout the entire episode. Exact same kitchen. Mm-hmm. Weird. And uh, so the dad, or the dad goes to approach Potter, and Potter just bashes the fucking snow globe against his head, kills him. So Potter does what anyone does in the situation. He leaves the globe, he gets in his car, and he runs away. He says he goes to the next town or a few towns over, gets drunk, sleeps in the streets until they find him. They being the law. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, but what about the kid? Which is convenient because John's like, yeah, but what about the kid? And he's like, well, do you know what happened? What happened? What else happened? And at this point where John had been really friendly and jovial and kind of joking around and sharing a lot of personal details. Now he's like, talk to me. What are the exact details? What is this? What did you do? And you find out that the kid waited. So it was Christmas Eve and Boxing Day happens after Christmas, I think, or a few days after Christmas. And the kid, realizing no one's going to come help, leaves a gift that she made for her grandpa by his dead corpse, puts on her jacket and walks outside to go get help. Of course, there's a blizzard and she barely makes it like 20 feet outside the door. She freezes to death. And at this point, Potter is looking outside the window and he sees her dead corpse like in the distance next to a big tree and he's sobbing and John's like, so do you confess? Do you confess to all this? And he's like, yes, I confess. I did all of this. I confess. And that's when he realized, oh, hey, he's in a cookie. And John, of course, is John is like, whoa, I did it. You guys didn't think I could do it, but here we are. I did it. And Potter says, what? And John pulls out and he's in Prisoner Grey's. There's a bunch of law enforcement people around him and they find out like, oh yeah, they've been trying to get Potter to talk for a while now. Like, I can't remember the exact amount of time, but like a year or whatever. But Potter has basically taken a vow of silence because, and as he says in the cookie at some point, if he said it out loud, that would make it real. So now they have the confession. Now they can pin it on Potter that he killed this man and kind of in theory killed the kid. And John did this as a way to get out of prison for letting a murder happen on his watch. And particularly failing to report the murder. And so he's like, okay, cool. So I'm in the clear, right? And they're like, well, you're free from prison. However, (laughs) oh, we got to put you on the perv list. And he's like, but why? He's like, well, because you were running this thing. He's like, well, what I was doing wasn't illegal. Like it was all consenting people. Like he's like, no, but uh, the only way we can do this is if we put you on the perv list, which means everyone is blocked forever. The entire world. No one, you you can't see anyone and they can't see you. The very important difference as John goes into the public for the first time is that his, instead of the white static, he is now red static. So while everyone else is the sea of white and gray static, everyone knows that he's on the perv list, that he did something wrong, and that no one can see him. And that's really where the show ends. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas! Uh, <laughs> so this story was really well done. I like these sort of stories. 
There's a podcast I found recently, The Story Must Be Told, and they're all like this. They're spooky, they're creepy, they're not exactly horror, right? Not your traditional slasher or whatever, but this is scary shit. And they did a good job of layering each story and each element having an importance. So, like, the ethical decision of, is a cookie someone real, is very much reflective of, hey, the baby. Like, the baby's clearly alive and doesn't deserve to be drowned out by two bottles of booze. Um, Every detail of the first story really is meant to pull out information from him. Like, oh yeah, my wife blocked me and left me with the kid. Like, lying, maybe. <laughs> but it's, it's important. Details that gets him to feel comfortable. Like, oh hey, this guy's going through the same thing as me. It's a giant con. Giant con. And it was just really well done. I was, I'm not the kind of person who will sit and try to figure out a show. That's not my gambit usually. And so when I say like, when I realized what the twist was, I was a little disappointed. Because I was like, oh wow, it feels really obvious. But at the same time, Spencer, you and I have been watching TV with like a critical eye for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think I think it's a little harder for me to enjoy that sometimes, particularly when I'm doing this to write notes, right? I'm like paying more attention to, to story beats, that kind of thing. But I'm not sure. I just spoil like there's there's it's hard for you guys to go watch this now that I've told you because <laughs> I feel like knowing the twist, like it's not going to be as impactful, but it's still mm-hmm. a really good campfire story. That, that builds on itself. And I really can't describe to you guys enough how much having my consciousness have like a second part and believe it's me. After playing, or playing, watching at least Soma that came out a few years ago. Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't realize. I all thought I, beforehand, I was like, yeah, hell yeah. If we get the technology where I can move my consciousness to another thing, fuck yeah, I can live forever. Here's the thing about that, guys. There's no promise that like you, you will be over there. There might be a copy of you, but maybe you stay in your own body. And like, that's the whole purpose of the video game Soma is that you're transferring your consciousness a few different times and you have to some point have to kill your old self and you don't know if that's your real old, like if that's really you, you, or if you're the copy, it's terrifying. Oh my God. The ending is so good. It is so good. I don't want to talk about the ending of Soma, but it's very, very good and heart-wrenching and I cried. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, oh, it was a good Good story. And it was very along the lines of, of again, this idea of technology being great, but also terrifying. And I've heard a lot of good things about Black Mirror. I've, it's on my list. I like creepy shit. I'm excited to watch more of Black Mirror. It's one of those shows that has only a few episodes a season. So, you know, I'm pretty sure I can tear it through it real quick. But I'm glad you recommended this because I really enjoyed it. So I always get upset. And like everyone has their own tastes and, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is probably, and it's close. Mm-hmm. Like, there's typically, like, a disparity. Like, these episodes tend to be, like, either top-tier, mid-tier, or I'm just gonna skip this. <laughs> uh, like the, the pig-fucking episode? So the pig-fucking episode is a dig at Cameron. Mm-hmm. And it was a dig at Cameron before that story got, like, wicked big in the news. Mm-hmm. So it's it's meant to kind of be, like, political and kind of be like, we're gonna push the, the, the envelope and blah, blah, blah. You have a lot of those like proof of concept episode you got that with um love death robots Mm -hmm. it's like our first episode is gonna push the fucking envelope so that you know what's up Mm -hmm. and then we're gonna do some other stuff i would say how i mentioned there's there's one that's just about hacking Mm -hmm. i would strongly suggest that i think that one is um a lot of black mirror relies too much on the dystopian tech I like episodes like these where it focuses on the characters. Like, the tech is just a background tool. Mm-hmm. I think too many of the episodes are, like... Reliant. Reliant, yeah. Because all of them have it. It's not like, 
like the stories can really exist without them but like uh the other one is it's about like a teenager teenage boy like late teenager and Braun from game of thrones and the idea is that they uh there is a hacker group that collects blackmail on people and then forces them to do shit as part of like big crazy cons and they're like forced to interact with each other and like do crazy shit and um it's just it's really good you don't really know what the the characters are being blackmailed for you you like piece it together some of them just say and and like it's it's like unclear how many people are in this and it like it's what i like about it is it's kind of like this one where it has a definitive open-ended ending mm -hmm. i like those where it's like we have wrapped this story there's there's like you can use your imagination like what did john go off to do now that he's blocked and blah, blah, blah. like there's still like it didn't end it's not like everyone died but it's not like one of those shitty like the heart's pounding what's gonna end end it because no ending we could write would be better than what you could imagine <laughs> there's a couple episodes like those and i really do like san bernardino i would say that's one of the top tier ones but whenever you look at like best episode lists mm -hmm. That one is always number one, and White Christmas sometimes doesn't even make the top ten out of, like, the 13 episodes that there are. Man, that makes me want to go like, and, and watch all of them, because this is a really good story. Again, maybe a, a tad predictable, but it builds well, or it's, it was purposeful for every story element. And, and that's what I like about it. I, like, again, I think I, I don't remember, because I watched it years ago. I feel like I called it. After you see the kitchen, mm -hmm. I knew about the egg. I realized, like, oh, you're in an egg. Yeah. Like, that, that's what this is. But I feel like I appreciate it just as, like, even going back and rewatching it, just the way that it stacks and the way that it's super tightly written. I always appreciate a tightly written <laughs> story. We don't get many of those. Why does Cheaty speaking? <laughs> oh, because he, because he's an Australian. It doesn't. It doesn't matter, even though we we decided that, like, he was speaking French, because it's his... No, but that's just his fr Oh, but why did he understand the butthole? Why, why, why was he mishearing that as butthole if he was hearing it in French? Like, oh, it does... Oh. <laughs> I, I feel like, in case it hasn't been mentioned by now, because, uh, again, episodes get released interestingly enough, I, I ended up binging all three seasons of The Good Place in a weekend. So I'm caught up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I'm caught up now. It's a really good show. Obvi like, it, it having a couple plot holes is not no. indicative of it being bad. No, not by any means. It's just fun of to make course, fun of. Of course, yeah. Like, three seasons of The Good Place aren't going to be as fucking waterproof as one really good, good hour episode, of yeah. Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. It's it's not a fair comparison. Black Mirror is a very good show. The bad episodes are generally like pretty well known, and they're not like insufferable. Mm -hmm. But that that last was it even like Crocodile's a bad episode. It's not even that the su subject matter's bad. It's that it's it's boring and it has no hook and it doesn't go anywhere. Oh, I have a question. Yep. Because I know Miley Cyrus was in one recently. Is, does that have the similar technology as the cookie? I think so. Um, it doesn't look like, you know, never mind. I wasn't sure because I remember thinking after like looking at the cookie and looking at a few previews for it, I was like, oh, I wonder if it's like, again, how they kind of loosely tie those different technologies. Similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, again, I think it's they have a prop department. Gotcha. They have a concept. They're like, let's let's twist it a little different. Cool. Yep. Like uh, pe- people getting their consciousness sucked out of their head through a needle comes back a couple times. Oh, I hate it. It's just Spencer, used differently. It. Yeah. <sighs> well, guys, thank you for joining us by the fireside and our smoking jackets and our glass of wine as we went through our favorite Christmas specials. Hug a loved one. Be thankful that you didn't watch Black Mirror for Christmas. <laughs> Go watch a holiday armadillo for some giggles. And you know what? If you have your own favorite specials that you want to share, feel free. Or you can let us know how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. I want to say, like, Merry Christmas, but, like, you know, Happy Holidays. We'll go with Happy Holidays. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Bye now. Bye.